This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Forever! When your first choice is a big old bus You turn around and boom You end up with us I did a really good one the other day. I was like, ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do a full octave drop? <coughs> oh, God. Ooh. All right. I'm negative. Remember when I was on the phone with you last night? And as we were talking, you kept going. <laughs> you just wouldn't stop smoking weed and you were coughing so much every. I think that's tail. because that's, um, that's when the Divas and Dolls first started coming for me. <laughs> They come for you every day. They, I mean, it truly, they truly do. Anyway, I'm here to talk about, do you like a highly pigmented makeup? Do you like veganism? Do you like animal cruelty free? Wait, do, do you, you hate like animal talc? cruelty? Do you like talc? Because we don't have it. Talc free <laughs> vegan makeup with hip dot and meatballs. Spiciest meatball diamond diva palette. With a portion no of the proceeds. Here. No talc here, sis. No <laughs> talc. Because in your, it's going to, it's bright. Buy my palette, and a portion of the proceeds goes to the LGBTQ plus Freedom Fund. So we're out here trying to help people. And everywhere I look, I see this palette. This palette is a nonstop uh, makeup experience. We just can't stop. I think you're seeing it a lot more because uh, we accidentally, (laughs) there was a mix up, and we accidentally sent out like half of the PR boxes early. So I had to send like a message to everyone being like, don't post about it until this day. And then the other half of the PR boxes are late so people are literally getting it today which is sunday or like yesterday but that's great because it's not it's one day of 100 people it's yeah. like everyday smaller amounts of people post and it seems like people who use real makeup consider this real makeup it is real makeup. <laughs> i yeah people are like what is when this you said you were doing joy? a palette i was like it's gonna be crayola marcus no, but maybe in the future we're working on other stuff. But no, it's a real palette. I mean, it's the same formula that Hip Dot uses um, for all their other palettes, including their SpongeBob palette and their uh, Kesha, Kesha Rose, right? Kesha Rose palette, which is right here. Mm. It's beautiful. I have literally oh, yes. every palette that they have, but it's all vegan. It's super highly pigmented. It's comparable to other vegan brands. We get it. You have a makeup. And it's sickening. Guess what I have that I've not been promoting? Because a new I feel EP. In- the <laughs> ham and feel- cheese EP. <laughs> like, what? I want to have this conversation before we get, get into our guests, which is like, how do you feel about self-promotion in this moment? I'm black, so I feel that me promoting myself and working with a company that's also... I'm eating <laughs> You literally just took a huge bite of peanut butter waffle? Is yeah. that what that is? Is that an Eggo waffle with jelly. peanut butter slathered no, on it? No, it's a homemade waffle. Anyway, um, 
I feel like I'm fine because I'm black, so I'm promoting, and the company I'm working with is supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. So, right. like, we're doing double duty. So I feel like I'm fine, but I think self-promotion where nothing helps the movement that's, like, the current climate and the... Right. It's just not good. Because it's interesting. But I like, feel I'm... like your music is is your music so you should be able to promote it and not yeah, feel I bad mean, because you've been also working with so many other people something i i was saying uh, to a friend on the phone was my hope is that as we move forward you know instagram is inherently narcissistic yes. uh most people who use it post selfies and things to promote appearances projects they're working on you know it's self-promotion my hope is that moving forward and there are a lot of instagram accounts that are activist instagram accounts or you know they have like a specific focus and ideally as we move forward so many more people are motivated and uh uh to to participate in uh activism uh and social justice work that we will see the selfie we want to see when we're following an account and then we'll see a link to a petition or an action or a protest. And then we'll hear about a show that they're doing where a portion mm-hmm. of the proceeds go to a good, a good fund. I think it it's going to be a big lesson in can, can we address what needs to address fight for change and also integrate that into the culture that, already exists on social media but then the other side of that argument is do we need to break that culture that exists on social media yeah um this also brings up kind of i don't have the answer right now me neither i don't know know what the answer is i know that i i mean this sounds crazy but i feel as though i'm a bit exempt from this because what i'm doing is donating i'm like trying to raise money but i don't know about what is going on online i also would like to say someone messaged us saying that like me being absolutely like unfollowing people who only post or don't post anything about what's going on is wrong because he does a lot of activism behind the scenes and he doesn't feel that he needs to be promoting it and pushing it onto his followers. Um, And to that, I say like, I guess when I said it, I was speaking in an extreme, like I'm just unfollowing all these people, but let me just finish what I, I feel like (laughs) what I was saying was more like when I see people, joking about it or like not saying anything i just feel a little uncomfortable about their presence maybe i don't know also that person goes my instagram's feed is all selfies i do a lot of activism but i don't want to force it down my followers like i like put it in front of them that's not the that's not the jush like that's not the idea because my question is why are you afraid for them to see you being an activist. Like, why do you feel that it's pushing it down their throats when you're just saying, hey, I went and I took part of this thing and you're bringing awareness to maybe a group of people that will roll their eyes at the movement? Which is the entire point. Spreading the movement, spreading the ideals, sharing it. I know plenty of people who had never been to a protest before and the more imagery they saw... That made them nervous, but then they also saw lots of imagery of like peaceful protests, and they were like, "I feel more comfortable going to that," and that was great for them because they had never been to a protest yeah. before. So it, it, we have to share information, and that's why my hope is that moving forward, people will begin to mix those things because I love looking at sickening photos of drag queens that I lo- like. Uh, 
Do you like when, looking you at know, my photos? Occasionally. Okay. But like, you know, like when they're done up in the outfit and the, the photoshopping is sick and the outfits are sick. It's like, I want to look at that and I want to like that. And I don't want people to be scared of sharing that. But we do have to understand that if that's all you share, it suppresses the larger idea. And yeah. so, you know... It's like that meme that's going around that's like, uh, regardless of what your timeline says, black lives still matter. Yes. And that I think is really important. And I would love to be in a place where like a few months from now, it's it's commonplace for us to consume and share um, politicized, uh, uh, it's essentially like messaging and propaganda <laughs> about the yeah. movement, but good <laughs> propaganda. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we only think of propaganda as having a negative connotation, but it doesn't. But it does have a positive one. Yeah, if if it's for the right thing. And that's the Bro, we all have to be that. We all have to be Listen, adults I, to make our own decisions and understand yeah. that they have uh, a lot of... Uh, weight. Uh, weight. And or I'm not gravity. I'm talking about your size. I'm a chubbo. <laughs> okay. Do you feel like we're political pundits now? I really want to stop doing political stuff. We can't. It's a whole new world. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But it. It's literally. It's, a, what it's we were literally. Just about. I know. It's literally exhausting. Like I'm planning on going to a protest later today. I'm not like pulling myself out of it. It's just trying to get the point across to people who don't understand it. It. It truly can be exhausting. Well. I'll I'll give the listeners a little uh uh pull back behind the curtain. We already recorded our interview with our guests and we're recording this after and our guest does say something very poignant about uh taking care of themselves to not burn out because they have been an activist and fighting for a long time. So there is also a point of self-care in order to not burn out as you try to educate people and fight yeah, and take care of yourselves. I was doing something crazy where I was literally just like watching Karen videos and just amping myself up for no reason. And it's just like, don't do that because that is what is bad. Anyway, go to don't your local do protest. That. Don't, do, don't that. do that. Now I'm going to go put my feet to the ground and my message to the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and don't right. you worry because nothing's going to bring me. me. I know, but for me, in order for the joke to work, I have to. Otherwise, it's like a long, it's longer. It's like a 40-minute joke. All right, let's do our interview now. Bye. Ooh. Our number is 213-536-9180. Our email is sloppysecondspod at gmail.com. Now on with the show. <laughs> Hi, you sucks, you sloppy little fucks, you dirty little fucks, you nasty little fucks, it's me, Meatball and Big Dipper. And we're here on Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball, you stupid little fucks. Wow, it is Sunday and you are really letting everyone have it. I have been up since four o'clock this morning drinking coffee and smoking weed. Who's ready to <laughs> party? I also want to say you do have an amazing beret on. And so shout out to the styling and fashion choices for today. Uh, I'm I'm wearing a bright red beret um, because I saw it on the floor and my hair is literally a mess. I have not had a haircut in like a hundred days. Is that true? It's been no. Your boyfriend cut your hair. 
I had one quarantine cut, but he didn't do the top because he's afraid to cut the top of my hair because it's like textured and I'm black. So I don't <laughs> let him do that. I'll let him <laughs> shave the sides. But my hair is so dry. You know what? Why don't we just bring on our guest? Yeah, okay. I want to. Okay. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. When my fridge is stocked with Factor meals, I'm like, oh, baby, I don't have to think about this. Mm -hmm. Like, it is so nice. The combinations are so good. I am a meat eater, but the vegetable options, there are so many. Like, I remember I had like a, it was like a mushroom with pasta and like a cauliflower rice. And I was like, the mushroom is filling. Like, there's plenty of uh, portion, there's plenty of vegetable, and there's plenty of flavor. And I am usually sort of not a microwave person. Mm -hmm. Very cool that this quality of food can just be heated up in the microwave. And so fast. I also love it because I am a, a very much into ordering delivery. I and know. now having all the food there, I can kind of pick what I want and it's ready in two minutes. I don't have to wait an hour for stuff to get delivered. And these are way healthier options than ordering delivery. Completely. And when they have multiple things in them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if I cook for myself, all I'm going to eat is the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen in your life. But this is oh, like, yeah. you get a little pasta and the chicken and a vegetable all in one dish. Looking for gourmet meals try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp truffle butter broccolini and asparagus and factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping cooking or cleaning up all you got to do is heat up and savor the good stuff customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need pause to reschedule deliveries that suit your lifestyle and we're celebrating earth day all month long with factor look out for the earth month eats badge on the menu items for their lowest carbon footprint meals head to factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 and use code sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code sloppy seconds 50 at factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's a sleigh, baby. Please welcome to the pod. One from of my Chicago. favorite drag from Chicago. One of the, the first queens. The legend. <laughs> The doll, the vixen. Hey, hi, hello. How y'all doing, booze? I'm good. Hundred days I'm inside. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How are you doing, though? I'm good. All things considered, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff has been absolutely wild for you lately. Yeah, it's been really, really strange. Um, I, I'm convinced that I'm probably in a coma on a hospital bed right now, and this is just all a dream. And it'll <laughs> very, very days of our lives. It's going to be a plot twist any minute now. I know it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite perspectives of uh, the last month that I've ever heard, that it is a fever dream. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> This cannot yeah. be real. Right. <laughs> um, no. Well, I want to just get into it because it's something that we started talking about off the, uh, when we started. But so you've been getting absolutely insane hate mail 
death threats nonsense recently. Oh, more sounds- so than ever. No, I, to be fair, I would say that it's actually, especially this month with everything happening with Black Lives Matter, I think my messages have definitely improved. Um, but it's still like, I don't know, it's just human nature. Like when somebody says something like super hateful to you, it stings more. You can get a hundred great messages, but like when somebody like threatens your life or like, you know, just talks mad shit about you, it just, it, it lingers on you so much more. Um, so yeah, I posted about it on my Twitter, mostly because I, usually when people send me messages like that, if I have the time, I'll try to like put in perspective for them. Like, hi, I am a human being. That show was filmed three years ago. You don't know me. You have no reason to be sending me a message. It's, we're in the middle of a quarantine. I'm dealing with shit just like you. Like, don't, um, and when people still double down and get nasty with me, that's when I put them on blast. And uh, of course, then you, I get the messages. You sent your fans to send me hate. No, I didn't send them. They just had mm-hmm. your address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like it's like, I mean, I, I want to get into th- that whole uh, sort of cycle, especially with the fandom with Drag Race. But you signed up to be an artist you very early on also signed up to be an activist but you never signed up to be an individual educator on how to treat another human Mm -hmm. being and all of a sudden that it's not like you're going hey you know what let me log on to a message board and spend a few hours sort of teaching people it's like it's coming directly to the computer in your pocket yeah and that's what people don't (laughs) understand is like you know, like, I mean, I wish I was, but I'm not Beyonce. I'm not, nobody's handling my social media for me. So mm-hmm. when you se- when you send something hateful, it goes right to my pocket. <laughs> and it's like, mm. and, and sometimes I'm sitting right next to my mom and, you know, trying to have a cute day or like, you know, anything. You don't know what I could be going through in the moment. That was three years ago. And I, and we're in the middle of a quarantine. So it could be all kind of shit going on. And you're sending this to a complete stranger who you saw do something that you didn't like, but it ain't had shit to do with you. And it, me and whoever I was into it with on the show, like that shit has long since been squashed and it doesn't give you the right to chime in at all. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk so, about Drag Race. Because we're ooh, here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, well, it's we less are. so about not getting into like the nitty gritty of it, but more yeah. about... No, I'm just like, kidding. I don't mind. We, when you went, first of all, you did so many iconic things on that show. Um, oh, not you. only not only with your drag, um, but also uh, with your knowledge of how you were shooting a reality TV show, which I think yes. was really incredible. Uh, I recently, I don't know if you, Miss Toto maybe retweeted it or something, but someone put that clip up of. Uh, you and Cracker doing the 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 wig challenge, and you said yeah. she said about American, and you said I'm African American. Yes, that joke is incredible. So good, and it killed. And then we get to um, judges' critiques, and they're like, "Yeah, it just wasn't funny." And we're like, "Bitch, where?" <laughs> <laughs> Y'all Whatever. just wanted Blair to go home. Admit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what was your I guess it's it's more about was like about your expectations, like the production experience, the actual competition and the other girls and then like the fan reaction. 
Like, you walked in that workroom and you said, you know, I'm ready to fight. Like, did you know it was going to be all of these systems that you were going to have to sort of traverse <laughs> with strategy? Honestly, after what they did to my girl, Shea Coulee, in season nine, I knew that I was walking into some bullshit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, because honestly, I started my audition process before season nine was finished airing. You know what I mean? Right. Actually, my first official phone call with the producers, like they had told me that they were interested like via email, but the first like uh, phone call was the day after uh, the season nine finale. So I had oh. to straighten my face up and be nice after I've been drinking and cursing all night because they did my girl wrong. And it was really like a moment of like, do I even want this anymore? Like if, somebody can have such a perfect track record and have the finish line moved from them in that way. And then like, just have literally, it felt like they moved heaven and earth to make sure you not win. And for me, it was like, okay, this is what I'm going into. And I have to decide right now if I still want to be a part of it. Okay. Well, if I'm going to be a part of it, I'm going to, you know, make a difference. Yeah. yeah. I think, well, I, I, I've always thought that like the, you know, obviously the fandom is very passionate and that passion often uh, <laughs> teeters towards the negative and insane uh, with the way that they interact with all of the, uh, the, the queens. But I also think it's so wild because in other reality TV, sometimes people are just like an interview on a show or even if they're on a franchise like... Uh, like a love and hip hop or a basketball wives, like it, it has become more so that they turn that into a career. But it used to be like, if you were on the real world, you just like did a season of reality TV one time, but because this is amplifying queer voices, because everyone who's competing is an artist is trying to make a career as an entertainer. It feels like when reality TV does messy reality TV stuff, Oh, it yeah. stings a lot more on Drag Race yeah. because because it feels like, wait, you're pulling the page and we want to see an even competition. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's not like if you go on real world, it doesn't affect your day job. You know what I mean? But right. Yeah, unless you're or, crazy on there. Yeah, or like even Project Runway, just, being on, just the fact that you were on Project Runway, whether or not you want or lose, gives you clout as a designer. But yeah. as a as a drag queen, it's like okay. Sometimes if you have if you have it good before you go on Drag Race, you might not want to go on Drag Race because you know, like when you think about queens like Nisha Lopez and stuff like that, who already were well respected before they went on the show, and they go on the show and shit just goes way left. It it is damaging sometimes. Is there, do you think there's any way to know that going in, other than just like the awareness that it is a show, like? Some of these black, girls seem like they get played. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're black, you can bet on some shade. I guess that's definitely something. <laughs> um, well, and if you're if you're white, you can bet that you can play the victim with a black girl, and that'll save you from all of your own personal faults. Well, that <laughs> that is that. what I've <laughs> seen it over and over and over. It's happening on this season. Uh -huh. Well, and that's. That's what I want to talk about because that moment, it, I believe it was uh, it was in Untucked mm -hmm. when you and Aquaria were like hashing it out and then she started to cry and you just like so succinctly were like, 
you see what's happening. And everyone was like, wait, what are you talking about? And you were like, you are playing the victim. And then you literally pointed at all the cameras in the room and you were like, this is the narrative. And honestly, when it happened, I was gagged that they left it in the cut. Me too. I was like, (laughs) I did not think that was going to make the cut at all. You were the first queen to break the fourth wall like that. Yeah. And what has been told to me now is that like no reality show had addressed it. So like uh, not a real world, not a nothing. Um, what was it? Uh, days, like the website and magazine Days did like a days, yeah. did like a top ten influential, and they awarded me because nobody had ever talked about the racism and fandoms on reality shows before. And I was like, gag. I you know I always say what the fuck is on my mind, so I don't know the rules or what I'm not supposed to say and <laughs> shit like that. So I was like, yeah. oh, nobody told me that this couldn't be discussed. Um, but even in that moment, I remember the other girls really, really trying to steer the conversation away from race. Like, uh, when I go, when I like snap, you hear Monique going, it's not about race. It's not about race. Cause I, so basically Aquaria go, or no, Dusty asked Aquaria, what's the difference in Vixen making a snide comment and you making a snide comment. And what they didn't show on camera is I pointed to my arm and said this, talking about my skin color. And that's why Aquarius starts crying. It seems kind of like really random the way that she started yeah. crying because they cut out me like pointing out my skin. Um, and so that's when she really, because she saw that I was about to call her out on race basically. Uh, and so then she started to panic and the girl started to like try to soothe her. It's not about race. It's not about, no, it is about race. We're going there. We're going there right fucking now because if we ignore that, then I just look crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you think about people who say things like, because you have Black Girl Magic, a show for only black entertainers? Uh-huh. What do you think about when people are like, well, there's no white girl magic. Why can't we do that? What is that? <laughs> it's not fair. I don't think about those people. I don't think about those people at all. <laughs> I don't fucking. That is, that's so ignorant. That's so like willfully ignorant. Like, you can see white girl magic any time of the you tell there are four seasons of all stars where you can see white girl magic. I do not need the that. The dustiest bullshit. magic of all. Okay. <laughs> oh my Fuck God. that. A lot of times I feel like Marie Laveau <laughs> in American <laughs> Horror Story. I'm just like watching all this white magic, knowing that I'm the real supreme, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> wow. So yeah, let's talk about your show. So you, I, I think it's, well, your franchise show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You started it in 2017, right? Actually, 2016. I get so blurry. I'm telling you, anyway, I can tell you, a drag race year is like the Bermuda Triangle. You forget <laughs> so many things. Um, but it actually started in 2016. I remember that it started in 2016 because the first Black Girl Magic was like pretty much, a cu- if not just one day, a couple days before the 2016 election. And I remember being on stage in Chicago saying, you know, we just run the World Series. And I think we just showed that we can do some things that haven't been done in hundreds of years. Maybe we can get a woman into the White House. Didn't go that way. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's 2016. Um, so it's been four years. It'll be four years in November. Um, crazy. Uh, to go from a show at a small bar in Boys Town with four queens, four sickening queens, but still just four queens and maybe like 100 people in the audience to go to having 35 queens from all around the country online with over 3,000 people watching and from all over the world, people watching is so crazy. Um, but it's I'm proud of my such baby. an incredible well, 
thing that you I built. think besides just the online thing, you also had a Black Girl Magic, like, happening in L.A. You had yeah. one happening. Like, where are the other cities? You had a New York one. Like, you just constantly are moving this show around to, yeah, to show Black it, excellence. Um, well, what after, after Drag Race and everything, I quickly figured out that people might have been afraid to book me, but they were excited to book Black Girl Magic. <laughs> So, oh. <laughs> so, oh. so I was, it was like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to pay these bills, I better take the show on the road. Uh, so what I did was I, anytime that I could, anytime anybody reached out, I was like, you know, it's great that you want to book me, but like, what if we turn the night into black or magic? And what I love about that is that meant that anywhere that I went, there was black girls were going to work that night because yes. I was there. You know what I mean? So this last February, I did a like a Black History Black Girl Magic tour, and I went to five different states. I couldn't tell you which states it was right now, um, <laughs> but but yeah, I did a, a little mini tour and got to do Black Girl Magic in different states around the country. It was really cool. Um, and we did DragCon. We always piggyback on DragCon and you know um, take that opportunity to get as many Black girls on stage. So we did one in Brooklyn. We had one planned for this LA DragCon this year that if I showed you the poster and how many girls agreed to be in it, you would cry. Oh <laughs> I, like when I found out that we had to cancel that show, I was like, oh, they'll never know. It's, it's, but you know what? It'll one day it'll one day it'll come to be. I think I reached out to you about that show too. They know you yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was gonna almost do it, but I you know the thing about working at DragCon is when I have to do those videos, I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and then be at DragCon at eight, like eight in the morning. It's, so it's for me to do a show the weekend. night before is ridiculous because I'm not yeah. going to stay out until two o'clock in the morning. And you know yeah. if I'm performing, I'm drunk. That's like one of my go <laughs> It's on my rider. You. Must be intoxicated. It, yeah. it was for a minute, and then we took it off because I thought yeah. it was funny to demand a bottle of tequila backstage. But I found out that I was the only one that thought that was funny. <laughs> and the only one drinking it, so you yep. drink a whole Oh, I would kill a bottle of tequila a show. Fuck. So, <laughs> I wanna I wanna know about your like producer hat. Mm-hmm. Were you doing all of that before Black Girl Magic? Were you producing shows? I had produced one show before Black Girl Magic about a month before, and it was called Powerhouse. Uh it was a downtown show in Chicago at this swanky club called Shade Night Club. Uh it was really, really cool, and I got to show like my chops as a producer and as a host. I did it like an award show. I changed outfits every time I came out to address introduce yes. a new girl, yes. which, which is why would you do that to yourself? Why would you like? I was like, literally, I was like begging the girls, please perform numbers longer than five minutes so that I have time to change. Ah! But, but it showed it showed like the community that okay Vixen is you know stepping up she's being serious she's um you know like really trying to go to the next level so then my next show was like a magic and people really really showed up so it was good. What do you think about people saying stuff like oh Vixen is really stepping up but you're you're working like twice as hard as other people like for that uh, well, for you to get that recognition you had to change every single time to get that but a white queen could just be in a skimpy dress and be like i hosted the show all night in this target dress and i'm living yes we we miss very much no um, no. <laughs> no but we're um, going to bleep it i'm not getting canceled <laughs> um but that was that was really the, and that if 
you know, like you've seen Chicago drag and black Chicago drag is being very vocal right now, but that's the, that's the landscape that we were in. You know, we did have to work twice as hard, three times as hard to get recognition. And like, you know, like when I started and like when I really popped, Shea Coulee, Dita Ritz, Lucy Stuhl, and Vixen were like the big black queen names in Chicago and we were still feeling second class. You know what I mean? Like, so that's why we like, started doing our own shows and started producing our own shit so that we could change that narrative and voice that. And we did because these black queens now are not playing with y'all asses. Y'all better get right oh, no. or get left. Oh, my Chicago queens ain't playing. Oh my God. I'm so proud. Now, if I get a text from Lucy's stool, I, I cry a little bit before I open it. <laughs> I love that. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I remember the first time seeing you perform uh, was at Lucy's party Fabitat. Yes in the basement at Double Door. And I remember, I, f- I feel like you did a Beyonce medley that was maybe seven minutes, maybe eight minutes long. And you like ran that race. You lost a shoe at one point. But you were like the most entertaining thing I had seen that whole night. I was like, and that was the first time I had ever seen you or met you. I think maybe yeah. you were both on the show together. Yeah, we were both in that show, I remember. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, back then especially, I just, I knew, you know, like, when you just know that you are better at what you're doing, I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to rub it in everyone's face. Every time I get on stage, I'm just, you know what I mean? So, like, I would have a fan, i have a wind machine, I'd have confetti, yes. I'd, like, bring my own lights and shit, just, like, you Rock are going to... queen. Prop queen, stunt queen, I'm... And I did it every night. I was exhausted. I did it every number. <laughs> but it was like, um, there was, I was seeing white queens, you know, get praised for mediocre stuff. So I just like, I'm going to make it so painfully obvious that I'm miles ahead of these girls. Uh, and I did. <laughs> it was you a know, very impressive I really... show. I remember that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I want to talk about music. Okay. Yes, let's talk about your music. Uh, so... You did and Cocky. Uh, we did, we had Shay Shay on a few weeks ago, but we talked about Cocky being like such like a trailblazing moment in drag queen music. I mm-hmm. think for a few reasons. One, um, it was really dope to see like the world was learning who Shea Coulee was. And when she did that, she was also like, oh, and this is the Vixen and this is Lila Starr. Yeah. Like get into it. Yeah. And that was incredible. Yeah. And then two, just like the sound, uh, like the Jeremiah, like the sort of more progressive that Chicago club. house. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. three, you said, let me get my tens. <laughs> and then you were on season 10. <laughs> That was wishful thinking. That was wishful thinking. Iconic wishful thinking. That's incredible. Yeah, I was. Um, we were. I was still in the audition process when we filmed the video. So I was just like, this could either be a really cool thing later, or it'll fly over everybody's head. So it worked out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. But that when so when she got back and she started um working on her album, uh. I had done a song with Dorian Electra and Lucy Stuhl and a bunch of other queens, and I, I really went ham on that song. Uh, and so Shay got back and she saw that video and she was impressed. And so she asked me to write some things for her. So when she played Coffee for me, I thought that I was writing her, a verse for her. And then she was like, I think you should do this. And I was like, ah! And so I, I tweaked some things to make it like actually sound like it was coming from me. But uh, yeah, she gagged me with that. Um, and really like 
to Shay's credit, and that's that's just the kind of bond that me, Shay, Lucy, and those girls have had is like wherever I'm going, I'm taking you with me, and you're gonna go places, and you take your and we leapfrog it. That our me and Shay's other song, uh, Room, is literally about that that pact. I'm the baddest bitch in the room until I go to the next room. So like, th- like we know that the system is set up to only let one black girl win at a time. So, yeah. so push me up so that I can get my win and I will pull you up so that you can get yours. I'm a, when I go in this room, you can be the baddest bitch in this room when I go over there. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? So let's I just, love that. We're just going to leapfrog and be the baddest bitches in the rooms. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to leave this space open for you and I'm going to make sure that it's yours when I leave so that, you know, we continue that. And that's what Shay did for me. That's what I am doing with Bambi and like all the other girls coming up in Chicago right now. It's like, you know, like, it only helps you for me to advance because the higher I get, the higher I can pull you up. So like, let's yeah. just keep doing that. Yeah. And you know, it's so, it's so interesting, especially in a time right now where it feels like so many, um, so many people who thought they were being progressive or thought they had uh, really sort of inclusive ideals are their eyes are being open to things like implicit bias and things like systems of racism that sort of they go like oh I didn't understand that there yeah. was a school to prison pipeline you know those sort of things yeah and and I think it's really great to sort of be specific about that, that you're saying I'm not just making a place for a Chicago drag queen. I'm making place for a Chicago black drag queen because this like, you know, when everyone goes like marriage equality, like that really was like a white issue that was being brought forward and sort of draped in the idea of this is an LGBTQ advancement. But like, girl, it was a a white G advancement is what it was. Because tax purposes, right? Right, (laughs) right. That's all it was. Yeah. Everyone Um, is all love is love. And you're like, girl, love is your bank account because now you can pay less taxes because y'all got married. Right, right. yeah, I remember I was, uh, in 2009, I was awarded uh, some kind of award from the HRC, and they were like, you know, so like, oh, you're the first black person that we've ever, like, had as an award recipient, and it was, you know, everybody was still on that Obama high, so there was a lot of first blacks happening everywhere. And, like, first of all, it was called a scholarship. There was no money involved. Um, oh, they, what? They threw this, they threw this what? gala, they threw this gala, to have me like do the acceptance speech and everything. All these like politicians, $25,000 plates. I was allowed to bring one person. My name is on the fucking banner over the thing and I can only have one guest because y'all, this is a dog and pony show for you to pat yourselves on the black, on the back, <laughs> pat yourselves on the black. On the black. <laughs> yes. Um, Ooh. And so afterwards, you know, I met, I met a lot of like influential gays and stuff like that. And I reached out to the HRC cause I wanted to do a petition uh, to allow men who have sex with men to give blood. And that was what I was working on as an activist in Chicago. And they were like, ooh, actually right now we're focusing all of our efforts on, uh, you know, marriage equality and don't ask, don't tell. Like we really can't. I was like, I can't get a retweet. Y'all won't fucking, you can't share the petition. So basically you just paraded me around for the media so that you could say that you did, you awarded a black person something in the age of Obama. Okay, great. So were you in drag? No, back then I was in heavy chalky makeup because okay. mistakes. But ah! 
<laughs> I was going to say, you didn't even get a booking fee and only could bring one nah. guest? Wow. Yeah, That's was... insane. And How I can mean, they I call think it saying... a scholarship and not give you money? That is a gag. And that is the just the white man being like, look, we did something nice. You got to come be a part of this thing. Don't you feel good about being a part of this thing? Exactly. It's the same performative, you know, activism that we're seeing right now. Um, I just watched this Lost Events Pride Castle thing, and it was a fool. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, no, I didn't fool. watch it. All- My friends are in there. What happened? My friends are in there, too. But it was like, okay, good. So, so it's supposed to be a... Uh, you know, they are supposed to be having this like Black Lives Matter conversation and like conjunction with Pride and everything like that, which I thought was great. Um, and they have Candace Kane leading the conversation and hosting, Oof. which I, you know, oh, Candace Kane is a Candace Kane is a legend. She's sticking, right. but she's not. Why, why on a panel of queens of color do you give the hosting seat to a white woman? Like, I don't like that is such a misstep. Um, and explain why it is a misstep because I'm sure that there's people that listen to this that don't understand but like for me it's a misstep because Candace Kane has not had the same experience Candace Kane as yeah. a trans woman has had a lot of terrible experiences I'm sure but they are not the same and I'm not saying they're bad or worse or better they're, or whatever it's just not when, the same thing so you can't have the same conversation right and when you're trying to have a genuine conversation about race relations with a cast of queens of color putting a white person at the helm of that is it's it one it deflects because you're still putting a white person in a seat of power in this conversation and two it's like the people answering the questions are going to feel timid about what they're saying because they're saying to a white person they have to consider your fragile emotions on how i'm going to respond and you know root drag race girls are already conditioned to not make white people uncomfortable because that affects our paycheck and so you, it just, it was more of the same and it was just disappointing. The biggest thing that I was disappointed with that is that Brandon Voss, or not Brandon Voss, one of the bosses called me and told me about this event and was like, you know, you've been at the head of these conversations for so long. Like, we would really love to have you involved. And I was thinking, oh, great. What do you need? And he was like, we would love it if you would submit a question to these queens for the panel. And I was like, oh, so you, uh-huh. Uh-huh. oh. You, so you admit that I have been leading this conversation for so long, and my reward for that is that I get to chip in a Dear Abby questions to girls who have, frankly, already been complacent with you because that's why you're comfortable booking them in the first place is because they haven't said anything that made you uncomfortable. Now oh, it's time no. to be uncomfortable. So when so I watched the show in earnest. I was like, you know, I still want to support the girls. I. It's all going to charity, so I bought the video to watch. And the second that they mentioned my name, every girl in the room, like, tensed up. Like, you could tell that. Because that's the culture, is don't talk about the victim. Nobody brings up that shit, right? And I was like, that, and that told me everything I needed to know about what goes on and what conversations I had about me when I'm not in the room. It was like, the second you hear my name, you first everybody tensed up, and then you, like, cracked a joke about me walking off the reunion when I was being blatantly disrespected and ignored about these very issues that you are here to talk about today. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to no, talk that, but, but no, that, that I mean, that, it's, it, it's really, it's really true because so many people are going like, 
yeah, but Black Lives Matter is like really happening right now. You're like right now, like it's it's, it's not new, and yeah. you're a prime example of someone who walked in the room saying, "Hello, global stage. I'm ready to have these conversations. I'm ready to challenge the way you think. I'm ready to be an example of how you can like move through uncomfortable conversations to like enlighten yourself." And everyone was like, "She's aggressive. Like she's too confrontational. She's like, we want this show to be fun." and now people are circling back and being like oh you really were talking about that on your season and yeah. prior yeah. to even being on television yeah and so to you so like when they asked me uh, even though i was like shocked that they only wanted me to submit a question i was like you know what it's still all for the greater good i'm gonna submit a question whatever um and to like instantly be disrespected like that was like wow fuck um especially from another black queen Damn. i can't hmm. <laughs> i can't well, and that, I mean, that also circles back to something, a bigger conversation that a lot of people are having right now, which is like um, uh, intention versus impact. Versus impact, yes. And, Shay taught and, me that. <laughs> yes, and we've been, having, we've been having this conversation a lot, and mm-hmm. like that has happened, that conversation has happened with me a lot just in my career as a performer, uh, you know, where someone will be like, I know your intention was this, but the impact from that was actually this negative thing in which you need to like figure out and talk to someone and like whatever. And so, um, and, and, you know, everyone there is filming what they think is an entertainment show. You know what I mean? They're like, let's do jokes. Let's have looks, let's turn lip syncs. And so the intention is like, we want to entertain everyone, but the impact of that kind of a joke, you go like, Oh, that's actually related to something that is way more serious than just a reference from drag race. Yeah. And had it been like, had it been like any other Hey Queen Kiki, I probably wouldn't have mind like that joke, but you're literally sitting here talking about the black lives matter movement. And then you the second my name is brought up you discredit me and my experience it was like Hmm. wow yeah i mean and that also that also is related to the idea of like now at this point you know there are over a hundred queens in this sisterhood of the franchise yeah you know there's not a group text for the whole the whole squad and and the thing is you know with black girl magic i've put a lot of money in a lot of these girls pockets now yeah right you know what I'm saying? Like, so I just don't get that. I don't, and I had, Naomi was in Black Girl Magic in December. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not aiming anything at her. If there's one thing that you can check my track record, I do not take joy in coming after another Black queen. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just right. saying, like, I literally, I watched this right before we started this conversation. So I'm just a little hurt by it. But yeah, we can move on. Um, let's, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're black. Have you seen Wicked? Do you know Wicked? Yeah, I love Wicked. Who's your favorite character in Wicked? <laughs> okay, I mean, honestly, it's got to be. <laughs> That's loaded. That's loaded because Wicked, Wicked, because Wicked is racially charged. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, um, I mean, 
honestly, I identify with Elphaba the most. Honestly. Mm -hmm. But I live for Galinda. That bitch. Yes! <laughs> that bitch walks yes. around in bubbles. What's wrong with yes. her? And she's like, like a normal person. And she's like the perfect archetype of like a well-intentioned like white feminist ally. She's like, I want to help, but you're making it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, yes. listen, now if you need help understanding race relations in America, just go see Wicked. <laughs> That's right. We'll endorse that. Please don't take yeah. that seriously, anyone on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I. I. So. So you, when quarantine first started, bonk. you, which was oh, what, this is a, a are year we about and a half to get into ago? some investigative journalism here? Well, I remember. I think I saw something on your Instagram where you were like, um. Like, I haven't been doing shows because I'm staying with my mom for the first little bit and I didn't bring any drag or something like that. So uh, what has your quarantine journey been? Because did you go, like, spend time with family and then now you had to sort of be like, oh, this is not a short-lived thing. Like, we really got to, like, bring the production here. Exactly. So um, when they, you know, when they were saying that this quarantine was going to roll out and everything, my mom was like, well, why don't you come down for the weekend? You know, like at least because I, I live alone and I hate being alone. So my mom's like, I know you being stuck in the house is going to drive you crazy. So she was like, come down for the weekend. And I, I thought I would be there for three days. I was there for three months. Like, Damn. Yeah. We got down and like after I got there, things got worse. Um, New, New Orleans, Louisiana, where I was, um, had some of the highest cases. And one, my mom is a respiratory therapist, so she was in the thick of it. Uh, and so I didn't want to—I didn't want to leave her. And so I just had—I shipped my keys to my friends and had my friends ship me half of my house. And <laughs> I just, luckily, my mom—my mom's doing pretty good. She has a, a a lot of guest rooms and a swimming pool, so I was able to build a oh. studio at her place and like uh, I was able to really, really set up and be productive there, and you know, be able to see my mom and like have some quality time at the same time. So it was good. Uh, but I'm home good. now and now it's all work. <laughs> yeah. So what does that look like for you with this? Besides you just did the huge black girl magic online show. Um, it's right now. What I'm trying to do is just figure out the best way to be helpful. You know what I mean? Like obviously because I've always been vocal, there's so many people coming to me for everything. And I'm one, I don't want to burn myself out because that's just number one. Two, I don't want to be tokenized like I was on this Bossy Ben show. Um, I don't want to be, you know, like, I don't want to be exploited in this moment. I want to make sure that I'm being fair to myself and actually doing things that help and create real change. So my first thing was like, okay, I know that all of these Black queens are getting asked to do all of these fundraisers and charities and all of this other stuff. So let me make sure that Black Girl Magic has as many queens as possible and that we get them paid because I know a lot of people are going to be asking them to do shit for free this month, which makes no sense. How are you supporting the Black Lives Matter movement by making Black entertainers work for free? I'm not about right. that. But so I just, I took the opportunity and said yes to as many things as I could and made sure that I promoted Black Girl Magic at the same time. And I'm, I can say, you know, we had a little bit of a larger cast, but the every Black Girl Magic I do a a group tip pot and I split it out with all of the girls. I am so proud to say that the tip pot this month was four times what it usually is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the 
literally when I tipped when I tipped all the girls out, they messaged me back because they thought I made a mistake. They were like, um, I don't think you meant to send me this much money. And I was like, no, baby, I got you. I got I looked up. I it black girl magic is the one thing that I can control and like actually help other black people. So that was like really big to me to be able to put some money in these girls pockets. It was dope. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, what I mean, there's we've been making money other ways. Like I've been just eating videos online for people, and some people maybe made OnlyFans. And <laughs> oh yeah, I knew you, OnlyFans. you were salivating to get to this. You were. I was oh, not salivating. What do you mean? This is journalism. <laughs> I, bonk, bonk. I, I see you following my boy Twitter. I know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you must be talking to Dipper. The, the OnlyFans uh-huh. is new, right? The only fan, I started the OnlyFans at the beginning of quarantine, but honestly, my friends have been trying to talk me out of doing OnlyFans for about a year. And, you know, they're like... <laughs> Why talk you out of it? Because it's just the respectability politics of drag. Everybody was like, you know, you don't know how that's going to hurt your career. Or like, what doors that will close in the future? And I was like, okay, so I've had, a, I've had a naughty boy Twitter for a while because I was, like, gearing up and trying to get the courage to do an OnlyFans. And with quarantine, it was like a perfect excuse to be like, "Oh no, all my games are canceled. I have to start it." But I've been, I've been, <laughs> I had, I had so many, I had galleries of content saved up already. I'm, I'm ready for this. Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you if you like what you see or like what you hear, I should start doing ASMRs. Yeah, uh, subscribe to OnlyFans.com/slash/UntuckTony. Uh, ah, I, come on, Untuck Tony. Yeah, which even because my my naughty boy Twitter is Tony Untucked, so like just that's such a fun thing for me to like take <laughs> that Drag Race brand and twist it up, twist it with my dick. That's fun. <laughs> oh my god! So <laughs> what is the what is the reaction to Untucked Tony? People people like what they see. People huh? are loving what it. People, I have lots of faithful subscribers. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> We're getting those three-month subscriptions. Yeah. I, you know, I did bundles. Um, this month, This month, because I was doing so much in drag, I knew that I wouldn't have to, like, really worry about money. So what I did was I made my OnlyFans 50% off, and um, I'm going to donate a portion of that to the Black Lives Matter movement. And when I say that, it sounds vague, so let me be clear. I have bills, like everybody else, and I know how much money I have to have to pay those bills. Anything that I make over that amount of money is going to the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I mean, it's also really interesting about donating because people are also learning more about, like, donation politics. Like, for instance, like your story about HRC, everyone's like, oh, yeah, HRC, like, a great place to donate money. But you're like, yeah, it might be a great place to donate, like, $100,000 or, like, whatever because – then that money will actually like move around the organization. But if you donate a hundred bucks, like that literally goes into processing the donation, their website, paying their staff. Like that doesn't actually reach anyone. Yeah. And so um, we're doing some stuff with race chaser where we're doing a fundraiser and we were like, you know, we're going to donate the money, but we're going to see who needs the money once we have it in hand because yeah, my- you know if a new protest pops up like some bail funds will need the money or if yeah. th- a lot of the, a lot of organizations have been saying like we're flush now so pivot that money somewhere yeah. else well yeah, that's why when I-, I did the makeup i was like i want to make sure that it goes to the lgbtq plus freedom fund cuz it's like it's a fund that lasts longer than just 
what's happening in the moment. Like right. it's going to help pay yeah. for people's legal bills and stuff long after this is over. Yeah, I've been focusing on, you know, supporting bail funds and signing every petition I can. And even like I try to sometimes people will randomly Venmo me now. It's just like white guilt bubbles up and they just send me a Venmo. And oh, so I got a lot of money on Juneteenth. Yeah, exactly. So I've been taking I've been taking that and like when I sign a petition, I'll like give a small donation to that petition too. Just because I'm like, I appreciate it. And you know, like I've definitely been ostracized and punished for being vocal for a long time. So I appreciate like this like moment in the limelight, but I'm not going to misappropriate it and just keep everything for myself. I know, I know how much I need to survive and to thrive and I'm still going to, if I'm going to be about it, then I need to still be donating and giving things back to the community. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'm on. I love that. Well, that's what your Untucked Tony is on as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, so re- speaking of, I know we talked earlier about um, some some digital performances. I saw you you have a new song called, um, uh, is it called Bitch, I'm From Chicago? No. Oh, yes? it's called Chicago. Yeah, yeah Chicago. it's Chicago. Uh, but does it, does um, the, the graphics the al- say bitch? Yeah, the yeah. album art is Obama standing at the podium and it says, Bitch, I'm From Chicago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who, which uh, is so funny because Mystique, who said that on Drag Race, is like famously, like only spent a small Chicago. amount of time in Chicago, which I think is very funny. Yeah, yeah, I felt I felt a little funny about like claiming her catchphrase, but it's like I am actually from Chicago, I, yeah. <laughs> and I and we and we had Mystique in the last Lego Magic, so we cool. <laughs> but yeah, um, so the song uh, Chicago is. Really, it was my way of, after Drag Race and all the drama, I wanted to really put into context why I am who I am and why I do what I do. And so the song kind of talks about growing up on the South Side, how I became activated as an activist, and um, how I applied that to Drag Race situations. So I say things like, um, they move the finish line and say we overstep, and y'all still don't get it yet. They poke at us, call it a test. Bitch, go have your cigarette. Like, it's like, yes. Because I, I want people to be able to connect my background and my upbringing to my behavior on Drag Race and, like, hopefully like, get a better understanding of it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really proud of that song because uh, Chicago Pride is, like, my number one agenda. <laughs> and there was that really amazing performance that you did with. Um, with circuit mom Mom? yeah 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 yeah. i watched that show and um the it was so cool where did they film that because you had like all these really cool the stage was sick and all the screens and you had cameos from all these girls like it was really amazing yeah we they took us to this uh studio space that was very calm down beyonce with the led lights and everything and uh luckily i've I've had the song Chicago for a while and I've had like some projection screen images. And so we put those onto the screens and just ripped it. And me and the girls from Black Girl Magic bounced around and got our lives. And then I went to my best friend's uh, patio because he lives in the, in down in the downtown area. So you get a great view. And I just wanted to be as Chicago as possible. I'll put out an official video in the winter. I feel like a Chicago song needs snow. (laughs) Well, (laughs) and that is why I live in Los Angeles now. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
<laughs> very true. That's very true. That's amazing. It was just like it was so cool also to see um it was just cool to see you performing and like the squad behind you and it was cool. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Now on to some other things. Did you see the video of performing in a packed bar recently to rain on me? That is surprising for so many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I didn't see that. I, I oh, think how my, unfortunate. I think my phone has figured out not to ever show me anything with her name attached to it. Um, uh, okay. You know, you know how you mute words and stuff on Twitter and things? I think I, I really, if you told me that she moved to a different planet, I believe you. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to say about that. I, I wish her the best. <laughs> She's a sweetheart. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Bless yeah, I heart. mean, it's a gag because these bars, like, you know, it was in a state where a bar is open and the bar, you know, they're, they want to make money. They're trying to make yeah. money. And, but it is, I mean, it yet again speaks to how fucked up our government is. Like, it's just, yeah. It's and a my own too. Yeah. Yeah. It falls on, yeah. Cause I'm not trying to blame anyone who was at that bar. I'm not trying to blame, like, that was their prerogative well, to go, like and you're to trying them, to blame someone. Let's ah. be honest. <laughs> but if, but if well, I'm going to blame her for not wearing a mask. But then well, I guess you can't see the lip sync. Well, yeah. So what are we going to do? You clear vinyl. Here's the yeah. thing. Over your mouth. I that just would, go, I, I that just that don't see myself perf- so much. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've right. seen that. Like yeah. some of them just have the one that just like sits around the lower half of their face. But I have, I just don't see myself like traveling, flying, or performing until like 2021. Like, truly, yeah. I just don't think it's going to be a real thing. Sadly, we're at the point where we have to make the decision for ourselves what is best for our safety because our government is just being like, yeah, sure, open up. I don't give a shit. Okay. And so when some states are closed and some states are open, it feels it's very confusing to know, like, what state of emergency we're actually in. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get why people went out because, one, a lot of us have been quarantined. I was a good girl for a long time. <laughs> with mm-hmm. the quarantine, I've, I I will admit that I have not been as vigilant lately because I'm fucking, you know, stressed about it, and I don't do well alone. So um, I haven't been great recently, but Chicago is opening back up too, and I'm trying to gauge, you know, and just doing what feels safe for me. I have, I personally have a small group of friends that has only been interacting with each other, mm-hmm. and you know, that's just how we get through it. I think that that's extremely responsible. I don't think that that's lax. Still keeping it small and in a smallest circle is, I think, appropriate. Yeah. It's going out to a crowded bar that I'm still just like, "Mm," unless everyone's in a mask and there's like circles on the floor. Yeah. But then why are you even going? I guess just to support the bar? Uh, Because I haven't seen anyone in a hundred days. That's why I'm going. (laughs) I need out. Well, on that note, I don't want to see you anymore, Meatball. So we're going (laughs) to end. (laughs) um so thank you so much for being on the show show. thank you i love you both so much it's good to talk to you good to talk to you too so your instagram is what at the vixens world uh you can find me you can find me on instagram twitter venmo and youtube at the vixens world my website is the vixen at the or the vixensworld.com something shit like that uh and then of <laughs> course you you can find me on only fans at untouched television <laughs> <Ooh-hoo! laughs> 
That's the one. Untucked. That's Tony. the D, honey. Thanks so much for listening well, to Sloppy, so much Seconds. Sloppy Seconds. You can, you can follow, follow us on, on Instagram, no, Instagram at Sloppy Pod. Send us an email at Sloppy Seconds Pod at gmail.com or you can call your fuck story at 213-536-9180. Big Dipper's Instagram is at Big Dipper Jelly. Mine is Spiciest Meatball and my Twitter is Fat Drag Meatball. Don't forget to subscribe and send us a message and you don't miss an episode. Okay, I guess you beat me then. Okay, I'm sorry, Will. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Doodle doot doot. Forever dog. Sloppy Seconds is a forever dog podcast. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Rams. Mixed and mastered by Will Pitts. Our cover art was drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey. <laughs>